It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I'll, you know what? I'll say it again. I don't know why, and I don't think we'll find another fan base who is more enraged by having a team win games than the Chicago Bear fans right now. I cannot believe how much consternation is going on. I have to sometimes ask myself, if I gaslit myself, we're, we're two and one, right? I want to get this correct. Two and one, one of those wins over a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year, a win over your former coach. Like these feel like good things, things to celebrate. Now, I understand that there are people out there who are upset that Justin Fields has not thrown the ball 90 times per game, but I don't think that that's where Justin needs to be at this point. That's probably worse for him than going out there and having limited opportunities. But listen, if you're able to run the football and play defense, you win a lot of games in the NFL. And I'm sorry, I think when Matt Eberflus was hired, he was hired to win games. And I was hired to say, Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back, Justin Fields making magic happen, there goes Fields, touchdown! The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other, it's gonna be sick. Welcome to the Sick Podcast. It is week four of the NFL season. The Bears are sitting at two and one. Some people happy, some people not so much, but you should be happy with the great show that we're going to have for you today. Joining us in just a moment, Nick Falata of the Big Blue Pod is going to be here as we do another round of ranks rivals. But first, wanted to take an opportunity to talk a little bit about what's been happening with the Chicago Bears over the past couple of weeks. Now, You'll have seen, and of course, by the time that you listen to this, the final injury report might be out. But David Montgomery is still considered day-to-day, according to Coach Matt Eberflus on Wednesday. We will continue to monitor that situation. That also means Khalil Herbert is going to factor into the offense. I say whether he's the starting running back, whether he's there in a complimentary role, Khalil Herbert is going to run the ball because one of the things that we have seen about or seen from the Chicago Bears is that they are going to run the football. And it is, you know, and I I made a joke about it on Tuesday night. I mentioned it a moment ago. But last year, when Matt Nagy, or the last four years, really, every time Matt Nagy abandoned the run, the fans just said, why don't we run the football? Why don't we we run the ball? Hey, why why aren't we running it? Now we have a coach who's kind of committed to running the football. And I don't know why. I I don't know how everybody's already turned on Luke Getze. Like, it's his fault. 
Like he's dialing. I mean, he's called a number of pass plays. <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, whether you get sacked, Justin scrambles, there's penalties. Like there's only so much you can do. And I got to say that if you're sitting there, you're watching these games, and if you're thinking, oh, Getsy's the problem, I'm not sure you're watching the correct things. That's just me. That is that is my little take on that. I think that, you know, I'm not deluding myself into thinking that this is a team that, you know, is going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, you you we're going to be rebuilding this season. You can be rebuilding, getting blown out, being 0-3 and ruining everybody's confidence. Or you could start building a winning culture while you're winning. I take the latter, but that's just me. By the way, I want to let everybody know, too, we spend 90% of our time indoors. And indoor air can be five times dirtier than the air outside. An air pura, air purifier can remove tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, wildfire smoke, which happens a lot here in Southern California where I'm at, chemicals and viruses, and of course, including COVID-19. Uh, for You know what? It removes it from your breathing air, which is kind of important. You want all the pollutants gone. I like, I have an air purifier, stick it right there in my kids' rooms, keep their room nice and clean. And by the way, you can bring one home for your family. Use the code 67 for a 7% off of your purchase from Air Pura Air Purifiers. And we thank them for being a part of the SICK podcast. And also want to remind you, that AM 1530 WCKG is the Chicago home of the Sick Podcast every Friday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central. It is the Sick Podcast followed by the No Name Pod. Our friends Olin Krutz and Jason McKee follow up immediately after a cover two of Bears coverage like no other on AM 1530 WCKG. Now that we have that all out of the way, I think it's time now for another round of Ranks Rivals. Uh, we are pleased today to be joined by Nick Filato of the Blue Wire Pods. And uh, Nick, why don't we come in here right now? Nick, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Delighted to join you, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Adam, you're from California. Is that correct? I Well, I've grown up here. I was born in Schaumburg. Or actually, there's a there's a there's a there's a a, a controversy in the family because it okay. turned out to be Hoffman Estates. But I was born there. My parents hated the snow. I was the only one of my family members that got to grow up in California. I wanted to ask you though. Okay, what is the best deep dish pizza from Chicago? I'm sure you spent a lot of time there, and I was there one time, and I went to Giordano's, and it was pretty damn good. But I wanted to ask you, yeah. what is the best deep dish in your opinion? Giordano's would be my selection whenever I need to choose one. Uh, that's always my go-to. I know a lot of people like Lou Malnati's. If somebody says Lou Malnati's, if they say Gino's East, like I'm not going to put up a fight. I'm not going to go against them. But if I'm alone and I'm by myself and I get to choose or, I, or somebody's like, I don't know where to go. Like if you and I, Nick, were running around, you're like, let's go to Giordano's. That's, that's my go-to. Although, have you ever had the tavern style? I have not, no. Okay. Now this is this is exactly what, we need to uh, to rectify because I know New Yorkers love their thin crust pizza. I love New York thin crust pizza. Chicago does a tavern style that doesn't get the recognition because of the deep dish pizza. And I'm not saying it's better, but it is damn good. And I was in, well, I was in Arlington. We're not Arlington. Oh, yeah, I keep saying that. I was not at, well, I was in Lake Forest uh, for Bears training camp 
this off season. And then I went to Wheeling, Wheeling, Wheeler, Wheeling. Wheeler. I always get that wrong. I uh, found a place called Nick's. It was amazing. And uh, the tavern style was off the hook. So thanks for asking. Why? So what is, are, do you get into the pizza wars at all? Is that, is that what I'm getting? So the fan base at Big Blue Banter, the podcast that I'm host with CBS's Dan Schneier, they always get on me because I am an Italian from Jersey who does not eat a lot of pizza. So I'm oh. not big into pizza, and I get a lot of flack for this. But now I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona. So every time I go oh, home. Oh, you're in Phoenix. Jersey, yeah. Every time, though, I go home to Jersey, I ensure to get myself some pizza because out here, you ain't getting anything that is any good. You know, not to, not to, right? not to crap on Phoenix, Arizona. They don't got no pizza out here. No. I did try the deep dish out there, and I enjoyed Giordano's. I know it gets a bad rap from snobby New Yorkers and New Jersey people like myself, but I thought it was pretty solid. But it's different. You know, it's one of those things I always tell people, like, it's a lot like your Thanksgiving meal. You do it once a year and you make it an event. When tourists come in from out of town, you go to there. Otherwise, we love our tavern style or anything like that. And being in Phoenix, uh, I can tell you that that was uh, the pizza. The pizza selection's not so great. But what has been great, though, I will tell you, is the Giants starting off two and one. What has been what has been the mood? Because you heard me talk about this at the top of the show. The Bears fans are upset that they're two and one. How are the Giants fans feeling right now? So I think the Giant fans are aware of the situation. There's a new regime in town. You have Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And with that comes a lot of excitement, especially after week one when the Giants upset the former number one seed in the AFC last year, Tennessee Titans, by going for two. Shows a lot of stones from Brian Dable to make that kind of call. He's living up to the word that he's preaching to his players, and you can tell the players are fully bought in. And that is a stark contrast to what we saw last year with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and Mike Kafka, first-time play caller. The things that we're seeing on film from him from a creativity standpoint and from an adjustment standpoint is far greater than anything we saw from Jason Garrett and the previous <laughs> offensive coordinators here. Not to just take shots, but that's just the reality no, of the no, situation no. right now. So Giant fans are really excited about that. But I do feel like there is this reality that the Giants are in this transitional year. It's not only a rebuild. And I do think the Giants have a chance to possibly compete for the seventh wildcard spot. And that's yeah. not because they're a great team. That's just because their schedule is, is pretty damn easy. There's a lot of holes on this Giants roster, if we're going to be real. But they're playing yeah. the AFC South, which is, a, which is a relatively easy division. The NFC North, there's some winnable games there. I think this game can go back and forth. Each team probably thinks they can win, and I think each team has a case for that's that. Fair. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Yeah. So, But in terms of Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and what's going on here in the transitional year, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are the two faces of your franchise. Both of them are free agents at the end of this season. Yeah. Are they going to be back? Those, those questions have to be answered. Daniel Jones, is he your long-term guy? He didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Do you really believe in him? I think Daniel Jones, and I'm sure we'll talk about him coming up. I think Daniel Jones is a good kid, very conscientious. All the coaching cliches, right? First one in the building, last one to leave, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, is he quick enough to process defenses pre to post snap when it's not what he initially thought it was going to be to get through his progressions and find the receiver that's open based on the defensive coverage? That's something that I've questioned since he came out of Duke. And I wasn't yeah. a big fan of that pick out of Duke. And I like the kid, like I said, but I don't think he's the long-term quarterback here. So what's the situation going forward beyond 2023? But as of right now, we're just kind of taking it week by week because the Giants have been just terrible. Since probably the last like half decade, they've been really bad. And the fact that the Giants have some excitement right now, it's it's a refreshing, I think is the word that I would use. 
You would think most people like that's that's the way I would want the Bears fans to react because it's been a, you know it's been a rough go. To, obviously, 2018 was great for the Bears, but otherwise, you know, it's been a lot of down years. And so I always it's kind of funny because I look at the Giants and I see kind of a mirrored image. Now I don't like when Justin Fields gets compared to Daniel Jones because, as you said, Daniel Jones is in his fourth year. Justin's just in his second, so I would give him a little bit of time to get ready, uh, a little bit of time to mature. But I think that. It is interesting. I, I feel like the Giants do have that kind of feel of they're playing with house money. Because I, I, I'm kind of with you. I didn't like the Daniel Jones pick right off the top. I I feel like they're probably going to go get their own guy. And it's cool. Brian Dable gets an opportunity to look at him and it's probably like, hey, he's fine. Like he's, to me, like I kind of, I wish, and I don't, I don't want this taken out of context. Daniel Jones, I feel like is going to be a great backup quarterback. Like, yeah, like he's, He's very athletic, and if you got a guy who needs to come in and play a couple of games, who can run RPOs, be athletic, and you're like, I don't care if he gets hit 30 times, like go out there and run around and win two games and then get back. That's not a bad life. That's that's actually like, I, I, again, like nobody, the athletes don't like to hear that, but it's like, yeah, it's probably the best for you. I think a lot of people who are Giant fans would agree with everything you just said, Adam. I think he would be a high-end backup quarterback, somebody who can step in if your starting quarterback gets injured, maybe win a game if he has to start three games, maybe win two games because he yeah. has plus traits like his athletic ability, which I feel like Kafka is utilizing immensely. The way Kafka totally. is – he just is moving the pocket so much, changing the launch point, not allowing the pressure of the offensive line to really – get to him even though it still did on Monday night football because you can't even just ask with the current state of the Giants offensive line Daniel Jones to step back and do five-step drops and read the defense and get through his progressions because you need to keep six seven guys into protection like if you watch that Dallas game no I did in that first drive they were trying to isolate Saquon Barkley against Anthony Barr and against Leighton Vander Esch that was Mike Kafka's plan and you could see it but after like I think the second first and ten or it might have been the third first and ten he gets out, Saquon Barkley, that is, on Leighton Van Der Esch, and what happens? Evan Neal gets beat around his edge. Daniel Jones is sacked. They had to keep Saquon Barkley in for protection, and that totally altered the entire game plan of what Mike Kafka wanted to do. He wanted to try to use five-man protection, but it was probably not going to work ever against that defensive front. So that issue of the offensive line has plagued Daniel Jones throughout his career. And in terms of Daniel Jones, too, like I think John Mara's comments – at the end of last season were also correct too. I think both of these things can coexist. The fact that I don't think he's the long-term quarterback, but I also think that he has not, he has not gotten the support that he deserves in terms of the offensive line, particularly I would say the wide receivers and which is a totally just frustrating situation because the giants have poured so many assets into the wide receiver position and it's yielded nothing to, to show Kenny Galladay, $72 million, Adam, the oh guy God. played two, snaps in Carolina in week two played two yeah. snaps Kadarius Tony can't find the football field Wando Robinson who I think will be a big part of this offense because he was handpicked by Joe Shane and Brian Dable he's hurt you got David Seals and Richie James running routes for the guy out there no one can create separation that is a inherent problem with the Giants offense at the moment Kafka's just trying to put all this together luckily they have star running back Saquon Barkley back which I can't even I can't overstate how important that is because he looks better than he did in 2018. The, the type of conviction that Saquon Barkley is running with right now, it's just great to watch if you're a New York Giant fan. No, it's been amazing. And I think even people who are not Saquon or not New York Giants fans, everybody loves Saquon. I, and I think it'll probably obviously stem from fantasy football. You've had him on your team at some point and people might be upset because he got hurt. But listen, 
that injuries happen. I think everybody's rooting for Saquon Barkley. Everybody's delighted to see him go out there and perform at a high level again. Monday night, he ran the football 14 times. And I think a lot of people would question that because he played so well. But is that just a product of the offensive line? Can they just not afford to run him any more than that? I think in terms of the Monday night game, it was a product of what Dan Quinn was showing. Dan Quinn <laughs> wanted Daniel Jones to pass the football. He wanted yeah. Daniel Jones to throw. So Mike Kafka isn't going to, he's not rigid as an offensive coordinator. If you're giving favorable boxes, you'll run the football. But if you're asking Daniel Jones to throw, especially when you're running RPOs and those linebackers are pinching, the read defender pinches up to the line of scrimmage, that tells you to throw that quick glance route. That tells you to hit that quick pass the flat to open the game to Richie James, which was a nice alert call by Daniel Jones, David Sills, mm-hmm. and Richie James against man coverage. So I think that was more of the product of it. I think they would like to run the football, but I don't think Mike Kafka is going to go out there and just eight men in the box and just try to pound the rock and get like one or two yards. He's going to adapt his offense to what the defense is doing. And honestly, that's what I want in an offensive coordinator. I want one that is open-minded and is willing to adapt his game plan based on what him and his coaching staff are seeing. So you like that. Chicago fans do not like that. Luke Getze is like, well, if they're going to let us run the ball – for 200 plus yards, we're going to do that. And it was like, why aren't, why are you doing that? You're like, I don't know. Cause it's working. Um, but I expect, what do you expect though? Cause I'm sure you saw the bears tape from last week. Do you expect them defensively to kind of take the same approach that Dan Quinn did and been like, all right, yeah, like beat us, Daniel. We're not going to let Saquon do this. Essentially. Yeah. And it's a wild stat that I saw. I think the Chicago bears and Alan Williams is the defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I think they only have blitzed like 7% of the they time. They don't blitz. Yeah, they don't they blitz. They don't blitz. Yet they, are, they rank in the top 10 of pressure rate. They're getting home with four, similar to who? The Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys don't need to blitz when you have Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence bearing down on you. So I don't expect them to bring a lot of pressure. I just think they're going to get a lot of pressure with, what is it, Travis Gibson and Robert Quinn and the edge rushers that they have down there. So I'm a little scared about, about that fact, the fact that they can bring four and get pressure. That's something excellent in terms of if you're a Chicago Bears fan, because the Giants offensive line right now, specifically rookie tackle Evan Neal, that's it's a weak spot. And I think he'll be fine in the long run. Andrew Thomas, yeah. who arguably is the best tackle in football right now, arguably, he had a terrible rookie season. So it's going to be ebbs and flows with him. But I, I would say if I'm the Chicago Bears, it's stop Saquon Barkley force the Giants to beat you through the air with Daniel Jones. And I don't even know who's going to be out there running routes for him because is Wando Robinson going to be back from his knee injury? I don't, don't think so. Yeah. I, I had to know. drop him on a fantasy team. So I, I've i been following that. Richie James was a guy that it was like, I kind of like Richie James. I think Richie James is actually pretty talented. So yeah. I think there's there's some ability, but it's it also is a cautionary tale because again, this is something that the Bears fans throw around about, you know, investing a lot of money in these wide receivers sometimes it hits I think you know I was critical of the Jacksonville Jaguars putting so much money into Christian Kirk but over the first three games of the season that's looked like a pretty prudent in investment Kenny Galladay is always the one where you're like see this is why this is why nothing's guaranteed this is why you got to be a little bit more judicious uh, when you're picking out where to throw your your money what did you think about that I when Galladay signed and of course we saw him uh, up close a number of times I, I was puzzled by it. Was there excitement? Because I can't remember any Giants fan being like, oh, we nailed it. Because I felt like that was a signing that was met with like hesitation immediately. So we have to circle back to the end of the 2020 season. 
Daniel Jones was throwing the football to Damian Ratley and players like that. Yeah. So he didn't really have a lot of weapons. Sterling Shepard couldn't really stay on the football field. Prayers up to Sterling Shepard. He tore his ACL. He's know, such a great awful. guy and it's terrible. But the Giants needed to add playmakers and they spent a first round pick on Kadarius Tony in the subsequent draft. But Kenny Galladay is an ex receiver. Jason Garrett has had a great history with ex receivers throughout yeah. his time in Dallas with, if you want to go to Terrell Owens, if you want to go to miles Austin, you want to go to Des Bryant. So the big it. body receivers that you can line on the backside of three by one sets and they can win inside release off the line of scrimmage, take advantage of the free access that they have out there. So signing Kenny Galladay from that standpoint, I felt like a lot of giant fans were excited because you got a playmaker, but the, the uh, bugaboo, I guess, if you want to call it that is he was coming off a hip surgery. Yeah. He had a lot of injuries. And I think that is really hindering his ability to separate right now. And he was never a separation guy to begin with. This was a contested catch individual that Matt Stafford, who I think we can say Matt Stafford brings the best out of a lot of wide receivers, Matt Stafford maximized. So he comes here, Daniel Jones ain't Matt Stafford. Daniel Jones can't maximize him, nor is Kenny Galladay the same guy that he was back in 2019 when he was tied for the lead league in touchdowns. So it's kind of a confluence of a bunch of different negative things that surround this individual. And when he's getting paid $72 million and he's not playing, and then he goes out there and drops a pass on the back shoulder on fourth down and then drops a third and 14 pass that he might have been able to pick up, Giant fans are not never going to let that go. And Sterling Shepard's now hurt. Who are you throwing the football to? Darius Slayton was retained on this team yeah. he's hardly played Darius Slayton had a great rookie season yeah, I don't look that I didn't look that up great like, is he still on the roster <laughs> he is and he doesn't offer anything on special teams so it was one of those things where we're <clears> like <throat> why exactly is he retained I'm glad that he is but Darius Slayton has something that no other Giants receiver has Adam and that is field stretching ability he can yeah. play outside because Richie James it's an inside guy Wondell Robinson inside guy Kadarius Tony he can play outside but somewhat more of an inside guy Sterling Shepard yeah. best to the inside you don't have any outside guys other than David Sills and Kenny Galladay. Darius Slayton can do that. And I think he has to step up. He it doesn't seem like this coaching staff loves what he has to offer. They put him out there and actually ran a nice double move that Daniel Jones ended up getting sacked on, but they yeah. were trying to get him involved in, in this game plan. And I think his role, Darius Slayton, that is, will improve, but they got to figure out a way to, to create separation. And I think Slayton can offer that. The negative thing about Slayton though is ever since that really nice 2019 rookie season, he's been one of the most inefficient receivers in the NFL in terms of separation, I think too, and catching the football. He's had so many drops. I think he dropped six balls in each of the last two seasons. So he has to rectify that. But right now, I don't know who you're throwing the football to. So you have to get him out there. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a who's that of of wide receivers. I know that we go through that as well here in Chicago. And of course Byron Pringle going on the IR and joining a number of guys who are not going to be playing. So we can certainly commiserate with that as well. You spoke about Evan Neal. Uh, he'll be tied to the Bears for some some time because that was the pick that we used or we gave you to get Justin Fields. I know that you mentioned that he got beat a couple of times. What has been the overall read of Evan Neal? Like going back to training camp, was he good in training camp? And it's just been a little bit of a tough stretch here. And, and honestly, I've only really watched him on Monday night. But what is what has his season, rookie season, been like so far? So in training camp, he was losing the one-on-one matchups and people were like freaking out about that. But one-on-one matchups are tailored in the trenches to the defense. You don't have a guard to your side. It's a very difficult assignment. But in terms of the team periods, he was looking fine. Then him as a run blocker, Adam, is excellent. Like he gets his hands on you. He could drive through the ground and he can pile drive you. And he has some 
okay plays on tape through three games in the run game. But I will say he still has the same issues that I saw when he was coming out of Alabama. He was my number one ranked tackle here. No. I think he had the highest ceiling. I think one of his biggest issues is he allows his chest to go above over his feet when he's blocking. He doesn't play within the framework of himself. And anybody who wants to watch the film, you can look at what a really good tackle looks like from a technique standpoint in Andrew yeah. Thomas and kind of compare how Evan Neal is doing. And Evan Neal, the balance and the, and the inability to keep his hands and his feet and his eyes in unison is an issue. He opens his hip, I would say, a little bit too early as well once he's getting to his pass sets, kind of giving a softer shoulder for for defenders to, to really corner around him. And one of the things I loved about him in college was his ability to vary his punches. I don't feel like that has happened, at least definitely not against Dallas, because Demarcus yeah. Lawrence, man, he he had it keyed in. Every time Evan Neal just went to punch, cross chop. I think he lost yeah. three times to Demarcus Lawrence cross chops. And I'm not sailing the ship on him or anything like that. I, not I at all. Not at all. Remain high, but this season might be rocky. Like again, I harken back to Andrew Thomas. Everybody was saying it's a bust. Dave Gettleman picked the worst tackle, but all this stuff. He's really stabilized. And I'm hoping that will be the career arc for Evan Neal. But as of right now, the Giants have to keep a tight end, Daniel Bellinger more than likely, and to chip him before he releases, to chip whoever the defender is before he releases, just to kind of take the pressure off of Evan Neal a little bit. And I hate seeing six, seven-man protections all the time, and they had to do that a lot against Dallas. There was one time they had a seven-man protection at him, and Dallas still yeah. got a sack. They still got a sack on the play. It's like, how I know. did this happen? But you have to figure out a way to, to keep the pressure off of him somehow. I would like to see Saquon out on, in routes. You know, Chip release if you can, because I do think he's a mismatch nightmare right now for any linebackers, especially those ones in Dallas not named Micah Parsons. Uh, you guys right. have Roquan Smith, who is a – pretty he's a pretty uh athletic baller out there so that should be an interesting matchup though yeah it'll be a fun matchup but i i in the moment of watching the game you saw evan neal get beat like you said by demarcus lawrence demarcus lawrence is an excellent player so you know that happens but you know when i went back and watched it again and i always try to put myself in the in the in the in the mode of like let's say this was a bears player what what positives am i drawing out of it and there were some run plays where you're like okay like this what you remember from Alabama, like he's got some ability. I think that, you know, this is just a kid going through it. We have guys on the offensive line who are young. They get beat on place and you see it. And you're like, well, you know, this is what this year is for, is is going through those growing pains that will eventually make you better. And I think that Evan Neal is very talented. And I think that ultimately over the long run, he's going to be an excellent player, uh, even though he's 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 got some bad moments so far on tape, which is going to happen to these guys. Defensively, though, how has that been coming along? I know, you know, as a the casuals will look at Cooper Rush and be like, well, if Cooper Rush can do it, like this team's lousy. But I don't think the Giants have played poorly uh, defensively. What's been your read on them? In terms of the Dallas game, Kellen Moore, I would say, out-schemed Wink Martindale. And that's going to happen sometimes. It's not necessarily yeah. a huge negative on Wink Martindale. Like, Kellen Moore gets paid a lot of money, too. And I felt like the the formations that Kellen Moore used to run laterally, the, the second play of the game, the 14-yard gain to Tony Pollard, the third and 12 conversion to Ezekiel Elliott, he would align a tight end and a wide receiver about three yards off the hip of that play side tackle. And then 
the tight end and the wide receiver would block down on Kayvon Thibodeau or whoever the end man on the line of scrimmage was and then block down on the strong side linebacker. And it created a huge seal. And in order for the Giants to, to cover those, you need the linebackers to be able to yeah. scrape over the top, work through the traffic, sift through it, and then make the tackle. Giants don't have the linebackers right now. And I have to really tip my cap here to Kellen Moore because against Carolina, the New York Giants saw... 11 personnel 80% of the time because their offensive coordinator is someone the Giants are very familiar with, Ben McAdoo. Loves three yeah. wide receiver, 11 personnel packages. And what did that allow the Giants to do? It allowed the Giants to use three safety looks, sometimes four safety looks with Tony Jefferson, who played, I think, 10 snaps in that game. Dane Belton, their fourth round pick, who they are really high on the New York Giants. He played, I think, almost 40 snaps in that game. Ooh. And that doesn't even mention Julian Love and Xavier McKinney. But what Kellen Moore did, and, and I, I love this from a scheme standpoint, Kellen Moore rolled 12 and 13 personnel out there just as much as he did 11 personnel without mm. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is injured. He's putting Sean yeah. McGeehan in there. He's got Jake Ferguson and Pendershot out there, these two rookies. So the Giants have to match personnel with personnel because you're scared of the rushing attack of the Dallas Cowboys, and you have Cooper Rush as the quarterback. So you put out Austin Calitro and Micah McFadden, your backup linebackers, along with Tay Crowder, who's their starting linebacker, and honestly shouldn't be starting in the NFL because the Giants released Blake Martinez at the start of the season. So you have linebackers out there now. Wink Martindale doesn't have his best 11 out there without Dane Bellin. So it right. was a... It was a personnel matchup that I felt like Dallas exploited against the New York Giants. And I think Chicago was going to do the same exact thing. Exactly. Chicago, like, Chicago doesn't have the receivers. You guys are going to put Titans out. That's what I was – That's you know, it's funny because that's exactly what I've been thinking because, you know, you go out and people will be like, hey, the Giants have allowed this match, have, have allowed this many passing yards, or they're giving up this, or this quarterback did that. And I'm like, you guys are going to be so bummed just for the reasons that you said. Like, if there is a team – that wants to run 12 personnel as much as Dallas did on Monday night. It's going to be the Bears. And Luke Getze is going to be under fire because they're going to run the ball 40 times and everybody's going to be upset. But I think that's the way you have to attack the Giants right now. Yeah, it definitely is. And I want to, because you, you brought up Luke Getze a couple of times, and I want to kind of touch on Justin Fields because uh -oh. it seems like there's a lot of negative. I was going to ask you. Well, I was going to, I was waiting because if I need to get rid of you because I become hostile. Um, <laughs> I wanted it. I wanted to at least give you a long run so it didn't look so. No, I'm just teasing. I really, I honestly do want to get your opinion. I just want to learn a little bit more about the Giants. But yeah, I'm, I'm always curious. I want to hear when every time the rivals join us, you know, what they feel about Justin Fields and Luke Getze. So uh, yeah, let's jump into it. Yeah, we'll get back to the defense in, in a little bit. So Justin Fields. Look, Luke Getze comes from the Nathaniel Hackett tree. He's a branch off the Nathaniel Hackett tree. Nathaniel Hackett is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos, right? Russell Wilson does not look good. Russell Wilson is yes. a future Hall of Famer. I think it takes a little bit of time. And I would say from the little bit of film I have watched on Justin Fields, he looks very uncomfortable back mm -hmm. there. He looks very uncomfortable back there. And I, I think maybe from a footwork and a mechanical standpoint, he might not be fully up to speed of what Luke Getze wants. And he is, it seems like he might be missing some reads here and there, but this kid has what, 13 starts under his belt yeah, right now? Exactly. He's wildly athletic. You're, you're winning football games or at least keeping yourself in football games by running the football with David Montgomery, who, like you said, is injured. And then Khalil Herbert, who is very, very, very underrated, a very good football player. So I would just say be patient. Be patient. You, you know Justin Fields has talent from a physical yeah. standpoint. And it's going to take a little bit for him to – what is this, his third offensive coordinator? 
Yeah, I mean, going back to college, of course. Going back yeah. to college, yeah. Like Daniel Jones, this is four, he has four offensive coordinators. It's one of those things where it's like, be patient. But now we, we were patient, and it's it's the ship has sailed on him. And that could happen to Justin Fields. Sure. But as of right now, man, this is he's not even – I think he started – I think his first start was week three last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not mistaken. So he, he's only he had a had handful four, of starts last year. Yeah, so I would just say be patient with it and wait and see. Hopefully the offense opens up a little bit more if the rushing attack is shut down. This week, I'm not sure if the rushing attack will be shut down if the Giants can't put Leonard Williams out there. If they have Leonard Williams, I, I think they it, it's very, very difficult to move Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams off the ball. Those yeah. guys are insanely talented run defenders on the inside. And I think they did miss Leonard Williams, albeit they it's not like Dallas really pounded the rock up the middle much. They were hitting the Giants to the outside a little bit. like So... I think if Leonard Williams is back, it might be difficult. I don't think he's going to be back, though. And I think the, the Chicago Bears can exploit the Giants linebackers similar to the way the Dallas Cowboys did. Yeah, and it was really one of those things that the Houston Texans really like to clog the middle as well. And you need running backs that can bounce it to the outside. And fortunately for the Bears, both David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert have that ability to bounce outside. Now, on the Pat McAfee show this week, they showed – you know, some of the blocking schemes. This is, again, this goes back to the thing of like why I'm so enraged when people are questioning Luke Getze. Because when you go back and watch the running and you watch the way those are schemed up, like these holes that Khalil Herbert was was hitting were so massive. You're like, oh my God, I, 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 I stayed up at night just dreaming of these plays and the quarterback play is going to be there. I, I really do believe that. And I know, and listen, I don't mean to take shots at your guy or anything like that, but but I would I said the same. Well, I said the same thing about Mitch Trubisky when they drafted him. I think Mitch Trubisky and Daniel Jones are a better comparison because they're both guys who played college football in the state of North Carolina, which like that's that to me kind of means something. Like with Justin Fields, you're like, well, I saw him at Ohio State dominate teams, including Clemson, in a national semifinal game. And and it goes back to and I hate to bring up this player as an a, as an example, but the the quarterback who's been suspended in Cleveland, when he was coming out of college as a player, as a player, I was like, I don't know why more people aren't into him because of what he did at the collegiate level for a Power Five conference team yeah. that was dominating. Like, so you should give these guys a little bit more time. So I'm always I'm always reticent to that, and I feel like Luke, I can't believe. I don't know. I I might just take myself off Twitter. Be like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. You guys have, like, if it's not that, it's it's how I sit with my legs crossed on the set of NFL Fantasy Live, or it's something like, why am I here? Why am? What have I done to sign up for this abuse other than be on this godforsaken app? But uh, I do appreciate the candor with the uh, with the Bears, and we appreciate when when outside vo- when outside voices have to be the voice of reason. I'm like, listen, it's not just us. Like, we can take a little bit of patience, but defensively, I do. I went back to the Carolina game, but I did think that this I, – I think the Giants have nice pieces. What if Thibodeau has been battling some injuries. How's he looked so far? What's it going to be like when he gets fully operational? I can't wait to see him fully operational. So Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, the Giants' second-round pick from 2021 out of Georgia, they missed the first two games. So Dallas, that was their first game action, and they played a solid amount in the first quarter and then started getting subbed out a little bit. Somewhat of a pitch count, maybe a little bit of a, a scheme thing as well, because you have O'Shane Zimenez, who is having the the 
he's the highest ranked player on the Giants defense right now, according to pro football mm -hmm. focus. He's having a career year so far in this system. And then Jihad Ward, who is a 290 pound edge. I think they wanted those guys maybe a little bit more on the edge to really solidify the edge. Not that Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari are, are liabilities, but I do believe they had a right. couple plays on film where they probably wish they could have done something a little bit different. I think it's probably safe to say. But I'm excited to get Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari up to speed because they're both wildly explosive. Kayvon Thibodeau, Giant fans, similar to Bears fans, I'm sure. They were like, oh, he didn't get a sack. Well, what is it? It's like Cooper Rush threw the ball right when he caught it so many different times. Like there was really no opportunity for Kayvon Thibodeau to get yeah. a sack. I got to say, the quick game was wildly efficient from Kellen Moore, from Cooper Rush. And there was one play that was a fourth and four play, which was a little conversion to C.D. Lamb. Kayvon Thibodeau hit this offensive tackle yeah, a quick swim move and completely separated and was right in the pocket and credit to Cooper rush, got rid of the football. And it was a blitz that didn't even need to happen. It's a blitz that Wink Martindale loves to do where he brings that nickel defender, that apex defender who is Darnay Holmes, number 30. He, whenever the, whenever it's a third down situation or fourth down situation, high leverage situation, They'll bring Darnay Holmes, who is going to be aligned over the number two receiver, which is the inner receiver. If it's a three by one set, he'll be over the, the, the innermost receiver and he'll just be sitting there like he's in press coverage. And then he's going to come on that blitz. And what the Giants are going to do is they're going to ask the safety who's at a depth of like 20 yards to step down over that receiver and cover him man coverage. So if the receiver diagnoses this blitz, he's going to throw hot every single time. And they showed yeah. that play to the Dallas Cowboys on a third down earlier and Cooper Rush diagnosed it. It was on the opposite side of the field, but he diagnosed it through the football. Kayvon Thibodeau jumped up and tipped it, knocked it down, forced a punt. So you love to see that, right? But this is a blitz that worked several times or they ran, I should say, several times against Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield converted twice against two tight ends, so against Richie and yeah. Ian Thomas. But then in the third one, he didn't notice it. It was to his backside. It was to the left side. And, uh, he ends up, I think, completing a pass to Christian McCaffrey for like five yards, but Julian Love ended up like smacking him on that play. Might have been Darnay Holmes. But the blitzing of Wink Martindale, it's really exciting. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he wants to dictate to his yeah. opponent. He doesn't want the opponents to dictate to him. But if those quarterbacks quickly process it, I'm not sure if Justin Fields is there yet, but if they can't yeah. process it, it's going to be a quick hit right to that open guy because it's very difficult for Dane Belton or Julian Love or whoever you have to drop all the way off. But another thing they do on that blitz, though, on the backside of the, of the, uh, the blitzing side, they drop two guys off the end man on the line of scrimmage and they sink underneath any kind of crossing route from that number three receiver. So if Justin Fields thinks he has that number three receiver, he has to watch out for a possible Julian Love or Jihad Ward or O'Shane Zemen. It's usually one of those three players because I think Martindale's run this blitz variation like five times this season. So they're trying to, you know, cross the face and get an easy interception in that situation. Love the blitz concept. It was just yeah. on that fourth and four, Kayvon Thibodeau had that guy beat no matter what. And Darnay Holmes, if he was in coverage, I think Cooper Rush gets hit there and the game might have been different. Yeah, he was he was very impressive. I know watching the Monday night game in the green room at the NFL network, Chase Daniel and those guys, we were all popping. You're like, oh Thibodeau's so close and it's gonna come and it hopefully not this week for our sake. But speaking of that how do you see this game breaking down? All right, we, it's time to pick them. Uh, which way are you leaning? So the Giants are home. Yep. I think this is going to be an ugly game like most of the Giant games so far this season. Makes sense. I think Wink Martindale can really take advantage of Justin Fields and his inexperience. I think the Giants just need to stop the run. I'm going to go with the Giants 19 to 13, something gross <laughs> and disgusting. Pick up Graham Gano and Cairo Santos is, is probably something I would say. That's exactly, that's funny. I have that same score, but I have it for the Bears. Oh, I, did, really? I turned in my picks, 1913. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be one of those 
one of those low scoring type of games where it's not going to be a lot of fun. I know that Chase Daniel was talking about, you know, hey, it's hard for a backup quarterback to go to New York and win. Talking about Cooper Rush. And on the air, I looked him dead in his eyes and I'm like, yeah, it really is. It really is tough for a backup quarterback to go win in New York. And then he finally realized like, oh, yeah, I was a backup. He didn't. He lost that game. Oh, that's the one that they won. 2018. Ah, yes, because the Giants and Bears, if I'm not mistaken, have played five times. Like they play every year. We might as well be in the division, yeah. This will be the fifth time. I'm like, wait a minute. We lost that game in overtime. I'm like, by the way, that that cost us the Super Bowl because we would have been the number two seed, which means there would have been no double doink. We would have beaten the Rams because we had beaten them already. We would have gone to New Orleans. We would have beaten them. And then we would have gotten humiliated by (laughs) – can you imagine Bill Belichick against Matt Nagy in the Super Bowl? It's probably the the double dunk might have been the best thing that ever happened to us. <laughs> but um, but in any event, Nick, I want to thank you so much for being here. This was this was an amazing uh, conversation. Thank you uh, for all the insight too. This is this has been great stuff. I've really appreciated it. I don't think that I gave you the proper credit for all the stuff that you do. Well, with the it's Blue Wire Pod, but you do a number of different things. I'm sorry, Nick. I want you. Take a moment to tell everybody where they can find you because I, I feel like I messed that up, but I want to make sure that you're well represented. Well, thank you so much for having me, Adam. And it's just at Nick Falato on Twitter, F-A-L-A-T-O. I do a podcast with CBS's Dan Schneier. If anybody listens to the CBS fantasy podcast, you would uh, you know who he is. It's a big blue banter. Essentially, we just cover the New York Giants from a scheme, X's and O's type of standpoint. We watch a ton of film, break it down, but we're very comprehensive with our coverage about the team. That is big blue banter. And I also write for Big Blue View, which is the SB Nation page for the New York Giants. And I'm on Big Blue View radio as well there. So you can find him. And if you want to hear more information like this, I think it's worthwhile. You do a great job of breaking it down and uh, giving us a lot of insight what we can expect to see this week between the Bears and the Giants. And so I know we we build this as ranks rivals, but I feel like we're ranks friends. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Hopefully we can do it again very soon. And uh, have a have a good have a good weekend, but not too good. Thank you. You do you as well, Adam. Not too good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. There he goes, the great Nick Filato. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I just noticed I wasn't. So now I am. Now I am. So join me. Follow him on Twitter. Great insight, great breakdowns. And it's interesting because, you know, again, the Giants and the Bears, the Giants, I don't even think that they're a couple of years ahead of us. They might actually be considered a a year behind us because they don't have their quarterback of the future because I still believe that the Bears do. But uh, should be an interesting game. Should be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. And again, if we see that 12 personnel, I cannot wait for the meltdown of this team being three and one but running the football with such great efficiency and, and just upsetting everybody. Bears football, like there's so many times people are like, Bears football is running and it's defense and it's special teams. You know, and if Bayless Jones Jr.'s play, the juniors, Bayless Jones Jr. plays, uh, we can see a lot out of the special teams as well. Because I think that's the one thing that we've been really waiting to pop over the last couple of weeks. By the way, can we talk about the fact, speaking of that, I was just thinking of that because uh, Pat O'Donnell was the special teams player of the week for the Green Bay Packers. And then Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson was the defensive, was the, was the special, was the offensive player of the week over Khalil Herbert. And I know a lot of Bears fans like to run around and spout conspiracy theories. Oh, they're out to get us. You know what? It's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to go against that. 
when you see things like, like yeah, like, you got a point. Like you want, like you have your crazy uncle who's just shouting random things, but eventually like we'll hit on something. You're like, yeah, you're okay. I'm going to have a hard time refuting that. That's, that's the Bears fans this week. As upset as you are, as you should be, because there's no reason why Khalil Herbert wasn't the offensive player of the week. You couldn't stop that guy. You know why you couldn't stop him, by the way? Because Luke Getzey's designing great plays. But sincerely, like, I don't know who does it. I don't know who votes on these things. I don't know who. I get the emails every night. And I was sitting there, and there's, you know, they, they come in late. It's a Monday, Tuesday, whenever it comes in. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, good for Cordell Patterson. And then it took me a second. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, like, it's not Khalil Herbert? Like, who's in charge? And then the poor lady who runs sponsorships for the NFL, all the Bears fans in the building, inundating her. with Like, she's the one who's doing, like, she has nothing to do with it. Don't, don't get mad at the messenger. Don't get mad at the kid who's on the social media team who has to post that on the NFL handle. They do not know. You can be fun. You can have fun with it. I, I think I said something to the lines of like, oh, the voters are going to be chagrined when they finally see what Khalil Herbert did. My only thing is that they just probably didn't watch the game. They I, I don't know how they watched Falcons Seahawks and then didn't bother to go out there and watch the Chicago Bears, but apparently that happened. That was a thing. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me, but Khalil Herbert, in our, you know what? Khalil Herbert was the sick podcast offensive player of the week for the entire NFL. So we think, so Sammy, let's make a graphic and we'll tweet it out and we'll tag the bears and we'll say, congratulations to Khalil Herbert, the sick podcast week three offensive player of the week. You know what? Khalil Herbert, congratulations to Khalil Herbert, the sick podcast player of the week for the entire NFL of week three. So congratulations to Khalil Herbert on this great honor. Uh, we'll tag the Bears. We'll let them know. And uh, let's get him something. I don't know what we'll get him, but we'll get him something because he deserves it. Um, speaking of Khalil Herbert, I know a lot of people have fantasy questions about that. So why don't we take a trip to the aisle? Fantasy aisle. Welcome to our fantasy island. And I want to let you know that underdog fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code SICK and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let me go over that again. You can, you can, if you're a desktop person like my buddy Sheridan, you can go just type in underdogfantasy.com. Or if you're with the rest of us in 2022, download the app, sign up with the promo code SICK, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. And by the way, download the app anyways, because they do an, a, an incredible job of keeping you up to date with the latest injury news or anything like that. You can follow certain players, and that way you know if their status has changed from healthy to questionable. You want to keep up on what's happening with David Montgomery. Did he practice? Did he not? And of course... I don't know when you will have listened to this, but all, but you know, be sure to watch the practice reports. I will say this. So a lot of people have been asking me about Khalil Herbert. What do we do? You pick them up either. I love the people who are like, dude, he was, he was gone in my fantasy league forever. And you're like, okay, yeah, I get that. You're, you're a genius. We get it. The people who pick them up or have been holding on to them. You got to play Khalil Herbert, whether David Montgomery plays or not. 
Khalil Herbert is going to have standalone value because no matter what, at the very least, David Montgomery is not going to be able to get a full complement of carries. He just can't go out there and run the ball 20, 30 times. It's not going to happen. We saw last year, you know, when Khalil Herbert played really well and David Montgomery returned and then he just disappeared. He's just like, Pop, Matt Nagy's like, okay, you're out. Like, oh, like you just forgot this player existed. And I, you know, and listen, if you're asking me, and I wish we had somebody like Draft Dr. Phil on here to uh, refute me, but I'm just going to say it anyways. I feel like when Khalil Herbert is the featured back, he's much better than when he's the change of pace guy. I feel like he needs that, he needs that rhythm. He needs to get going. He needs to get started. And by the way, if he's if he's the number one guy this week and there's no David Montgomery, like I, it's not going to shock me if Khalil Herbert ends up being the number one fantasy running back of the week. And by the way, there's another guy too who is a backup running back who could get an opportunity to be that top guy this season, this week. And I'm talking about Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift, I think Dan Campbell said it would take a, an act of God like rain, the sky would have to open up for DeAndre Swift to be able to play this week. And also Amon Ross St. Brown is also battling some injuries, which means in this matchup this week for the Detroit Lions, which is a very winnable game for them against the Seattle Seahawks, we're going to see a lot of Jamal Williams. And Jamal Williams could end up being the number one guys. Two backup, two guys who started the season is, and I hate to say backup because both of these guys have a lot of ability. Like they're good running backs. They're not they're not traditional handcuffs in a sense of like what you get with a lot of other guys. Like they're not traditional, just oh, this is a handcuff type player. No, no, no. These are good fantasy people. So I think that you uh need to go ahead and uh play both these guys without hesitation, even if the starters, if the starters end up playing. Now there is a lot of good fantasy football games out there this week, starting with Thursday night, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, the Thursday night game, Dolphins, Bengals. Obviously, you're starting all of those guys. Bills are playing the Ravens this week. The over-under on that game, which I think I'm allowed to mention, is 51 total points, which is a probably the biggest number of the weekend. The biggest number for the games are Bills-Ravens, Dolphins-Bengals, Seahawks-Lions, the game we just mentioned a moment ago, and Browns and Falcons. And uh, a hat just fell. I need to fix that thing. So, uh, by the way, if you are watching right now on YouTube or Facebook or something like that, type in the word sick in the comment section. If you just saw the hat fall off the rack over there, type in the word sick and uh, just let me know that you're watching. Thanks to everybody who has been watching and following along. We do appreciate you. Also want to thank everybody who has left a review if you're listening to us as a podcast. Uh, and if you if you are and if you haven't done so already, please leave a review. Uh, a five star rating too, if you don't mind. I mean, that would really help us out. If you want to, if you want to throw us a bone here, uh, we would really appreciate that. Leave us a five star review. Uh, but the Bengals, uh, the Seahawks, Lions. That's that's a great game. Let me tell you a little something about the Seahawks, Lions. Now, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, who is a he's a good quarter. He's fine. If you look at him and Tom, Tom Brady's a great start this week. Even though that game is up in the air. And by the way, you know our 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 minds are with everybody in the state of Florida with everything that you're going through. I know I, I didn't mention this off the top of the show, but to everybody who's listening to us in the state of Florida, if you've had to relocate or what's going on, uh, our thoughts are with you. You know, I know a lot of what we're talking about here is trivial compared to what you are going through right now, but we just want to, you know, my, my thing is I'm just trying to 
an offer a little bit of a, a distraction. I don't know what else to say. So uh, we're with you and I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe and we appreciate you. And if this is uh, this is allowing you to pass a little bit of the time, we're happy that you're joining us here and we hope that you continue to remain safe. But talking about that game and it's silly to just like, but the game, the, it, it's such a silly transition. Uh, we know it's really important, but that Kansas City Chiefs, it's, it's such a terrible transition, but Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we expect Tom Brady to rebound this week. Plus, you know, Mike Evans is coming back. I mean, it was convenient that Mike Evans got suspended. They 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 hustled through that appeal. Oh, they made sure he, he served that appeal against the Green Bay Packers. They didn't let that linger for a couple of weeks and let him come back again, be suspended against the Carolina Panthers or something like that. But Tom Brady's a great start. I'm going to tell you something right now. Now, if you're a fan of wrestling, the great Joe Henning, uh, son of Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, him and I, you know, spent a lot of time talking fantasy football. He had Dak Prescott. He's like, what do I do? And I said, there's two guys you can pick up this week and start. And it's Jared Goff and it's Geno Smith. And Joe Henning, who we'll have on, we'll have on the show when we play the Vikings, because it'll be fun to talk to him about some fantasy football. He's like, I would rather throw up than start Geno Smith. And I know a lot of people feel that way. But I got to be honest with you, Geno Smith has had multiple touchdowns in two out of his last three games. He's going up against the Lions, who have allowed the second most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. You don't have to like it. You don't have to enjoy it. I know you never thought you would wander into a fantasy football matchup in week four and be like, I think I'm going to play Geno over Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying if you're in a dire need for a quarterback and if Geno Smith is available, you got to go and pick him up. I was in the Scott Fishbowl. I ended up drafting Drew Locke because I thought he was going to be the starter. It hasn't worked out. That's that's not been a great that's not been a great pick. But of course, everybody else, but the rest of them, like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, if you've drafted either one of those guys and you're not three and zero, it's an embarrassment. I'm one of those people. I've had some bad luck, but I'm two and one with him with Josh Allen in those leagues. But I, I can't. But Lamar Jackson is destroying the league as well. By the way, Nick Chubb. Great option, Saquon, Cordell Patterson, Jonathan Taylor. I will tell you, anybody who slept on Amari Cooper this season, I hope you're, I hope you're embarrassed now. Amari Cooper has been a delight. And last week on NFL Fantasy Live, when we were doing Dope or Nope, one of my co-hosts said Nope, and I chimed in. I'm like, I don't know if I'd do that, bro. I would start Amari Cooper. You got to get him out there. Uh, also, David Njoku has got a great matchup this week against the Atlanta Falcons, who've allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends this season. Is Berlissimo, Sammy, let me know if, Ber- if Berlissimo is still mad at us because we didn't respond. Like he sent a tweet to us, and it looked like spam. So I didn't notice it. And then he was whatever. So I hope, George, come on. But in any event, what were we talking? We're talking fantasy. Uh, we're doing some more fantasy things. Um, so we like, all right, I'm pulling up some notes. But some other guys, I know uh, Javante Williams is a pretty good matchup this week. Josh Jacobs should be okay. Derek Carr is another guy that you can probably go out and pick up off the waiver wire if you need some help right there, if you need something going on. By the way, we did love what we saw out of, what we saw out of, uh, not Cooper Rush, but CeeDee Lamb finally stopped. You know, you know, this was something that happened, you know, not too long ago is I made a trade where I dealt CeeDee Lamb away. Like, I'm like, I cannot deal with this anymore. I can't deal with CeeDee Lamb and what's going on with Cooper. Although he plays better with Cooper Rush, if you look at the numbers, 
which is a, a phrase that I hate. But when you look at the numbers, CeeDee Lamb has played much better with Cooper Rush over the course of the season or over his three starts, or it's small sample size. I will tell you this. CeeDee Lamb's pretty good. I traded him for James Robinson in one of those trades that actually helped out both people. I needed a running back. My friend needed a wide receiver. It ended up working out for both parties. Don't be afraid to make trades like that. Speaking of Jacksonville, and I'll just kind of wrap it up with this. We love Trevor Lawrence. Oh, by the way, I did want to say, make sure you're playing Drake London. Like he's a must start every week. Gabe Davis is a huge start this week against the against the, the Ravens. Chris Olave, in most circumstances, would be also be a start, although he's the third of that group. We also have Zach Wilson returning for the New York Jets. I don't know what that means for, for Garrett Wilson, what that means for Brees Hall. I'm hesitantly playing Brees Hall, but I'm sitting Garrett, which I'm probably going to end up regretting, but starting Deontay Johnson over him, so it's not like I'm putting some scrub in there. I will tell you this, though. Kirk Cousins, I like Kirk Cousins. I know Michael F. Florio does not like him in London, but Kirk Cousins, the last time he was in London, threw for over 400 yards. But people are like, well, it's kind of a primetime game. I'm like, ooh, that's a good point. Oh, but I still, I'm still a Kirk Cousins guy. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, by the way, make sure that you watch out for the Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison news. And remember, that game starts awfully early. So if you have Alexander Madison, before you go to bed, you might just want to slide him into your lineup and then you can adjust in the morning because you don't want to get burned with Dalvin Cook being a surprise inactive at 6.30 in the morning or 9.30 in the morning. East Coasters can suck it up. It's not that big a deal. This is for my West Coast audience. By the way, if you're on the West Coast, Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, California, PCH location, Bears Watch Party. We had a nice, we had a nice, we had a nice party there. I don't know if I told this story, which I'm going to tell you anyway, Sammy, is uh, we had a young lady join us. I think her name was Melissa. She walks in. She's wearing a Cleo Mac jersey. I'm like, hey, welcome. She's like, hey. And then she goes and sits on the other side of the room. And I'm like, oh, what's the deal? I'm like, okay, I don't want to bother this lady. She was walking around. She was holding the baby. She's like hanging out. We're by the, you know, she's hanging out with a fellow. She comes, wanders by the Bears fans here and there. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, but I don't want to be pushy or anything like that. Because there's nothing worse than thinking somebody recognizes you. And then they are like, I don't even like football. You're like, okay, I feel like an idiot. So I wasn't going to make that move. Also, I didn't want her to go walk over to her husband and be like, hey, uh, this bald idiot keeps hitting on me, even though I'm clearly holding a baby and not into Like, you know what? You don't want to put yourself in that kind of situation. But afterwards, she took a photo with me. I'm like, oh, my God, you were here? And she's like, yeah, I saw this on Instagram. I listened to the podcast. If you were going to meet me somewhere at a bar at Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, California, uh, you can come talk to me. That's why I'm there. So we can talk and hang out and watch the Bears games. So, and by the way, make sure you start Trevor Lawrence this week. Make sure Trevor Lawrence, you know, we've been waiting for him to pop fantasy wise. It finally happened. So that was amazing. Uh, the other night, oh, three touchdowns finally. So now we're, we're starting to see some of the reward on Trevor Lawrence. I will tell you as well, going back and watching the Jacksonville Jaguars game, Travis Etienne is involved. He's ready to go. He's looking good. There's a lot of positivity going on with him. The only problem is, is uh, we're just waiting for it. Similar to what happened with Trevor Lawrence. We're just waiting for it to translate on the fantasy football world scheme. I don't know. I don't know how you put it, but in any event, 
I uh, want to thank Nick for being here today. Great conversation about the New York Giants. And of course, big thanks to Sammy and Anello who get this show up and running each and every week. We're going to be back Sunday after the game to talk about what happened. Hopefully we will be celebrating another Bears victory. And of course, Tuesday night, it'll be taken to the rank. Carmen Vitale and me sitting there talking about the Bears. Hopeful victory looking ahead to week five. Season's cruising right along. So we thank you so much for being here. And with that, Sammy, say bear down and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.